Well, we continue this morning in our series on the book of Proverbs. We started last Sunday, and uh, the subtitle for this message is Living Well in God's World. And do we have the slides for that? It'd be great. There it is. All right. Now, some of you may have noticed this, I don't know, but maybe you have, that I could stand to lose some weight. (laughs) Um, As it turns out, every time that Julia got pregnant with another one of our children, I also gained weight. (laughs) Then she had the baby and I didn't lose any. And another pregnancy would come along and I would gain more weight. And, and that's literally what happened. And, and so here I am, and I need to lose weight. So it's been, it's been a challenge for me, as it, I know a lot of folks who need to lose weight. It's a challenging thing to change your lifestyle and all those sorts of things. But I have this week started walking in the morning. So that's a good thing. And uh, you can put a picture up. This is a picture I took in Victoria Park. So I've been starting to walk every morning I, when I come into the office. I drop the kids off at school at, uh, at 7.45 get up here for 7.55 and, uh, and then do a walk through the park, about 30 minutes, and then start work at 8.30. So it's been pretty good. Um, and it's a beautiful, I mean, of course, we have this amazing park, right? I was looking at a gym membership and I thought, oh, that's expensive, so uh, I'll just walk in the park for free. Um, now, the, f- the first time that I, um, I did this, of course, it was like Tuesday morning, and I did, you know, I needed help because this park is big and there's trails all this way and that way and I, you don't know how to get there. So I actually had two things help me get through the park on that first day. One was the Google map on my phone, which I used, which was sort of helpful, uh, and then which was really helpful was I had Bruce Clyke with me, uh, Sheila's husband, Bruce. Uh, I don't see Bruce this morning. Where's, is Sheila here this morning? I don't see Sheila either. Oh, anyway, so Bruce came with me the first day and helped kind of guide me because he's been living here for a long, long time and he helped kind of show me the way around. And, uh, and here's the thing. Uh, the book of Proverbs and indeed the whole Bible in general uses that same kind of uh, imagery as a metaphor for life all the time, over and over again. We see this idea of walking the good road, walking the right way, walking on the right path, making sure you don't get off track, and all these sorts of things. And uh, one great example of that is in Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So he's kind of saying there's two ways you can go. You can go this broad way, this easy way, that lots of people take, but it leads to destruction, or you can take the harder way, the narrow way, that might be more challenging, but it leads to life. There are many ways we can go in life, uh, but there is a way that Jesus wants us to go. It is this narrow way. Oftentimes the harder way, but the result of going in that direction, going on that path, is life, eternal life, eternal life in the future and eternal life in the now. It leads to the abundant blessed life. And that's what this series is all about, right? It's all about living well in God's world, walking that right path so that we can have the life that God wants us to have in his will. And we need to hear this because it is so easy to get off on the wrong path. On that first day that I went through the park, I needed a map and I needed a guide. And we need the same thing in life. We need a map. We need a guide. The map 
is the word of God. All right? There's an, actually an old country song. You, you might pick up on this over time, but I actually like old country music, classic country, and old gospel music and stuff like that. I really am into that sort of thing. Uh, the Gaithers and all that stuff. So anyway, um, there's this old country song. I'm using my Bible for a road map. You ever heard that one? It's a little bluegrass gospel song. I'm using my Bible for a road map. Anyway, it's great. <laughs> but it's true. Um, it's true. Our Bible needs to be our, our road map. And then, and then for a guide, we do, we need other people to help guide us through life. We need other brothers and sisters in Christ to help guide us along the way. And so today's message is about that ladder thing that we need, that guide, those people. We need to surround ourselves with people who can help guide us on the right path. So the message today is about choosing good friends, but being discerning in our relationships, surrounding ourselves with the right people who can help us stay on the right path. The people we surround ourselves with really matters. Craig Rochelle, he's a pastor in the States, he says this, he says, it's almost impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. There's an old saying that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your, you know that one? Future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It really matters who we are hanging around with, who we spend our time with, who we are surrounded with. What, who, the people that we're in relationships with. It says in Proverbs 12, the righteous should choose his friends carefully. The trajectory of my life uh, was changed when I was 18 years old. I was at St. of X, starting out as a first-year student, and I was trying to discern what was next for me. I was trying to discern who I was as a human being, how I fit into the world, as a lot of people do it, they get that age, they graduate from high school, they go off on their own, and they're kind of free from their parents' rules and regulations and their old routine, and you can kind of have a fresh start. And so I was at this place in my life where I was, I was feeling like my life could go in several different directions, and I wasn't so sure how I felt about God, and wasn't maybe, was thinking maybe I, I might just kind of put God on the back burner a little bit and, and, and do things my way and see what happened. Uh, and then this amazing group of people stepped into my life at this really critical time in my life. And, uh, and actually, if you put the picture up, this is, these are the people. And there's me at the back with the big, poofy, curly hair. Uh, yeah. So this, this, is the, this was the band Life Support. Remember, I've talked about this band that I was in, Life Support. And, uh, and they actually are still a band. The gal in the band, uh, Deanna, she's actually from Truro. She lives in Truro. She teaches at Colchester Christian Academy. And uh, the, my, the Alex there with the cast, he has a coffee shop in Sackville called Apartment 3. Some of you might have seen that place before. He owns that. And a guy in the back with the bandana, he's, uh, he lives in Newfoundland with his wife. And the guy in the front is a photographer. And the guy on the right is uh, a music teacher in Halifax. Anyway, this was this group of uh, friends. And they, they, they became... Uh, just my family when I was at St. of X. So they were, they had been, they'd started this band the year before I, I came to St. of X. They were all second year students when I was a first year student. And they had, they had this worship band with this goal of reaching the campus for Jesus, starting a worship service on the campus on Friday nights and inviting people and seeing what God did. But they had one missing thing. They didn't have a drummer. And it turned out that I was a drummer who didn't have a worship band. And so I met them 
And they were like, this is amazing. God has brought you to us. We've been praying for a drummer. And so they welcomed me into their life. They welcomed me into their band. Uh, and and we, we, we had this family. We had this close-knit connection. We prayed together. We ate together. We traveled together. We served together. For a couple of years, some of us lived together. And being part of this little family microcosm of the church was exactly what I needed at that point in my life. To be surrounded with like-minded Christians who could support me and help me grow in my faith. So it was really these people who had a big, big part of the reason that I'm here today serving the Lord. I don't know if these people hadn't come into my life. I don't know what direction my life would have taken and so it really, really matters who you surround yourself with. And today, as we crack open the book of Proverbs, we're going to see it has a lot to say about choosing the right people to be with, to be in relationship with. What happens when we choose the wrong people? What does a good friend look like, according to the book of Proverbs? We're going to look at all that today. And we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there, Proverbs chapter 1. Words, the uh, scripture will also be on the screen. And I am starting in Proverbs chapter 1 at verse 10. Reading from the New Living Translation. All right. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone. Just for fun, let's ambush the innocent. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our houses with all the stuff we take. Come, throw in your lot with us. We'll all share the loot. So here's the scenario where there's all these people and they're saying, hey man, come and join us. We're going to go beat up innocent people and take all their money and you can. we'll give you some of it. You, we'll give you a cut. And there's these people that are trying to entice you into that to that action. And then it says in verse 15, here's the warning. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. I like that terminology. They're setting an ambush for the people, but the truth is they're setting an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. So in other words, their path, that route, going with that crowd, that's going to lead to death, that's going to lead to destruction. Don't go that way. Proverbs chapter 4, if we turn over there, we have a very similar uh, section here, in, starting in verse 14. And there's actually a few of these sections where these warnings are very similar. Proverbs is kind of, you'll notice as we go through this series that there's one chapter might have 13 different themes, uh, and, 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 then, and then one of those themes is picked up in the next chapter too, and it's like all through the whole book spread wide. It's not like, it's not like chapter 2 is about this, and chapter 3 is about that, and chapter 4 is, it's all scattered out throughout, so we're going to be jumping around a lot. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14, don't do as the wicked do. And don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. For evil people can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. They can't rest until they've caused someone to stumble. They eat the food of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked 
is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. If we go down to verse 25, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So here the terminology here that, that is being used in, in, these, in these proverbs here, these ancient wisdom statements. Uh, turn your back on these people. Don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. Don't get sidetracked. Stay on the safe path. Stay on that straight and narrow. I like in verse 15 where it says, don't even think about it. Don't even think about going that way. I also appreciate in the same verse, in verse 15, if you just go back a slide, you can see that verse 15, where it says, uh, turn away and keep moving. So, you, you know, they're saying, hey, come this way. Okay, all right. No, no, no. Turn away and keep moving. Don't, don't pause and turn away and go, hmm, maybe. Maybe it's not something. Let me spend some time to think about it. Maybe I need to pray about it. No, no. Go. Run away in the opposite direction. That's what repentance is, right? Repentance. The word repentance, we see that in the Bible a lot. It literally means to turn around and go in the opposite direction. So we're going along, and then we realize, oh, we need to, we need to repent. So we literally turn around, and we keep moving in the opposite direction. We run towards the Lord. It's not just turning away from something. It's turning toward the Lord and go and running in that direction, moving in that direction. So the scriptures are so clear at what they're trying to get at here, right? It's not, it's, it's not rocket science. You can't surround yourself with these kinds of people, people who would lead you down the wrong paths. There's a similar uh, passage in Proverbs chapter 5. So again, very similar terminology. But in, in Proverbs chapter 5, it's not talking about this crowd of you know, crooks or wicked people. It's talking about the immoral woman. Uh huh. <clears throat> this is the 18A section of the sermon. Okay, <laughs> the rated R section. <clears throat> Proverbs five. Listen to this, my son. Pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment, and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. For she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to stay. say. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin and now I must face public disgrace. Wow. Quite a warning. The next section is one of my favorite sections of the Bible. I'm not going to read it, but you can read it on your own sometime. It's great. You know, it's uh, like, again, a little R-rated, but it's really nice. Anyway, um, okay, so don't tell me the Bible's boring. All right? The Bible, there's some good stuff in there. Um, Proverbs, so in this chapter here, in the, it's talking about the ancient Jewish 
world and in the ancient Jewish world there it was normal to see to see prostitutes milling about the cities looking for men uh, trying to tempt them and of course we still see that in certain parts of you know Halifax and all that sort of thing um, but this section of scripture really becomes relevant to modern life when we think about its application to our online lives right uh, websites that encourage you to cheat on your spouse those exist. Men and women kindling private online relationships that turn into affairs. The epidemic of internet pornography. All these things. There's no question that the temptation for these kinds of sin is stronger than ever for men and women in our world today. So where are you allowing yourself to wander online as you think about who you're spending time with, who you're allowing yourself to be with? That applies to our online lives as well. How are you being discerning in your online relationships? These things are not innocent. Internet pornography is highly addictive. You start meddling with that stuff and it will ruin your life. It's like it says, the lips of an immoral woman are sweet as honey, but her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Don't go near her door. In the New Testament, in the book of James, he puts it this way. He says, uh, as he's talking about temptation and lust, he says... Each one is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires, by lust. And then when the desire, when the lust conceives, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. So the idea here is you give in to temptation. You allow temptation to have control. And what that does is when you do that, that leads to lust, sinful thoughts. And when you entertain those... That leads you to sinful actions. And when you live a life of sinful actions, that leads to death, spiritual separation from God. So we've got to be so careful that we stay on that road and we don't get distracted by the temptation. We have to be very wise, not only to resist the temptation when it comes, but to try to avoid the temptation in the first place. It says, in, in we read in Proverbs 1, verse 17, I like this analogy, it says, if a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. So when I was a young fella, I don't know, maybe 10 years old or something, I, I, my, my whole childhood was a blur, so when I tell a story from my childhood, I'm always basically 10 years old. I just say, I was, I was about 10 years old. Um... <laughs> My, we had this family friend, they lived just down the street, the Dingwalls, and uh, the Dingwalls had this pet budgie bird, and they loved this budgie bird. I forget what its name was, it was Squawky or Squeaky or something. Um, every time you'd call them on the phone, you'd hear the bird in the background. Every time you'd go visit, they'd show you the bird, and the bird would fly around the house, and they loved their budgie bird. Well, one day, the, the Dingwalls uh, asked, if, they, we were fam our families were friends, my mom, our moms were friends, I was friends with their, with their kids, and uh, they, they were planning to go on vacation, uh, a weekend away, and so they needed to uh, get someone to look after the bird for them. So my mom said, well, why don't you, we'll, we'll bird sit for you, you bring the bird to our house, and we will look after, uh, we'll look after Squawky for you, whatever his name was. Um, no problem. So that morning, as they're getting ready to leave, uh, Mrs. Dingwall brings uh, the budgie over in its cage. 
and we set it up on a pedestal or something in in our dining room and uh, we're good to go so Mrs. Dingwall goes home and uh, finishes packing and, and gets ready to hit the road. Well, it was probably only about, well let me back up. Something you need to know about my parents' home, which is true to this day, is that my parents' home is always filled with cats. <laughs> my parents have this, I don't know why, but for some reason we all, there's always like a dozen cats that kind of come and go. They're sort of like barn cats. And they feed them, and they look after them. They kind of come inside sometimes, but they, you know, they live inside, outside, and they're just kind of wild cats that my parents feed and look after, and they're always having babies, and they're always getting rid of kittens. And I just, I've told them so many times, why don't you just get the cats fixed? And they, anyway, so there's always cats. I grew up with all these cats all the time. So anyway, it, you can see where this is going. It was only about probably 10 minutes after the bird got dropped off at our house that we heard a big sound, a commotion in the dining room, bang, crash. We come in and there's the birdcage on the floor and a cat and feathers. <laughs> yeah. And so mom and I are freaking out. Oh boy, the cats have eaten squeaky. And so mom's like, I better give them a call. So she picks up the phone to give them a call. And just as she's about to call them to tell them what's happened, she sees them drive by on their way to vacation. <laughs> and this was before cell phones. So we had to spend the whole weekend waiting for them to come back with this great sense of shame and dread that their, our cats ate their bird. Uh, mom saved a little bit of the feathers and put them in a box for them. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, it turned out they were okay. They weren't that. It wasn't the end of the world. They forgave us. That's great. It was the end of the world for that poor bird. But anyway, it was all right. But here's my point. Here's my point. By the way, I've been wanting to tell this story in a sermon for a long time, and I've been waiting for an opportunity, and I, this is finally my chance to tell that story. Anyway, my point is... If you put a caged, helpless bird in a room full of semi-wild cats, don't be surprised when the bird gets eaten. It was a stupid decision to let us look after the bird. And if you live your life surrounded by the wrong people, don't be surprised when things go badly for you. The Bible says that the devil is going around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You can't wander into his territory alone and ill-prepared and expect to make it out alive. You're setting an ambush for yourself. That path leads to death. Now don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we need to cut ourselves off from the world. I'm not saying we need to sequester ourselves into a Christian bubble. Okay? We don't, we don't need more rabbit hole Christians. You know what a rabbit hole Christian is? A rabbit hole Christian is a Christian who lives in its rabbit hole and pops his head out every once in a while to look around at the world and then pops back down in its hole. There's a lot of Christians like that. We don't need more rabbit hole Christians. Jesus said, and we look at this next slide here, Jesus said to be in the world, he did say that, to be in the world, not of the world, but indeed to be in the world. 
Not like the world, but in the world. Jesus spent time with sinners, with outcasts, with naughty people. And he loved them. He cared for them. And, he, and he, he, he brought them to himself, and they became his followers. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. And he was able to do that because he had a strong relationship with his father. He spent a lot of time in prayer, and he surrounded himself with a close group of people, with 12 disciples. And even amongst the 12, there was a couple of guys, you know, James, or not James, uh, John and Peter, who he was closest with. And then he had other close friends besides, like Lazarus. And, and so he had this, this group of support people. So he, he was in step with the Lord, in step with the Holy Spirit, and he was also, he was also uh, surrounded by these people who loved him as well and, and cared for him and supported him. And so as we live our life on mission, and we are supposed to live our life on mission, carrying the light into the darkness, carrying hope into hopelessness, carrying life into death, carrying love into hatred, carrying the word of truth into a world of confusion. As we do that, as we live as missionaries, as every Christian is called to do, we can't be like a bird in a cage surrounded by a horde of hungry cats. We have got to be prepared. We've got to put on the armor of God. We've got to know Jesus as our Savior. That's the beginning. That's the first step. To trust in Him as our Savior. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. And be immersed in prayer. Bible open. And with a support group of committed followers of Jesus with whom we have real, meaningful relationships. So when you I was talking about the band that I was in in university, right? We had this, this amazing close-knit group where we loved and cared for one another. But that didn't prevent us from doing mission. No, actually, we had this group together because we were living on mission. And we needed each other in order to fight the battle that we were called to fight. And to live the life that we were called to live on our campus. And to shine the light into the darkness. So that's what I'm trying to get at. The key verse this morning is Proverbs 13, 20. It says this. It says, Walk with the wise and become wise. But associate with fools and get in trouble. Walk with the wise and become wise. Who are you walking with? If you're going to live well in God's world, you've got to be walking through life with the right people. Proverbs has a lot to say about the kind of company we should keep. It describes the characteristics of a good, wise friend. And we're just going to go over these real quickly. A wise friend, a true friend, a Christian friend who will help you follow Jesus. Here's three characteristics. That person loves unconditionally, challenges graciously, and sacrifices generously. Proverbs 17, verse 17, go to the next slide, please, says, A friend loves at all times. Proverbs 18, 24, A real friend sticks closer than a brother. The kind of people that you need to be walking with are the kind of people who don't ditch you when you mess up. Who keep connecting even when life gets busy. Who love you through the messes. Because life is messy. But these kinds of friends, these support people that we need, 
the kind of relationships we need. We've got to have people who can love us unconditionally. These, also, these friends also challenge us graciously. Proverbs 27, 5, 5 and 6. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. 27.9, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I love that image in, in, in verse, five, uh, verse 5 and 6. The wounds of a friend, of wounds of a sincere friend. That sounds like a contradictory concept. But what it's talking about is this ability for people who love us to speak hard truth to us sometimes when we need to hear it. It's those friends, those sincere friends, who should have permission in our life to speak that kind of truth to us. We need those people. We need those friends, those mentors, those coaches, those part, that, your partner, your spouse, whoever it is, who we know will be honest with us when they need to be because they love us. People who can call out sin in our lives and help keep us accountable. People that we give permission to to challenge us graciously. We need that iron sharpening iron with one another. We can't be complacent to stay as we are, but we will stay as we are if we don't have at least one good friend who can challenge us graciously to become more like Jesus. So we've got to have those people in our lives. You know, some people go around just challenging everybody. That's not graciously. That's not what I'm talking about. Pointing out sin in other people's eye while they've got a log stuck in their own. Right? That's not what this is about. This is about those people, those special people in your life who you love, who love you unconditionally, who you give that permission to speak into your life. We need those kinds of friends. And then the last point there is that a true friend, a wise friend, sacrifices generously. And we're going to go to the New Testament for this one, John 15, 13, where it says, No greater love has there than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Friends are willing to make personal sacrifices for one another. A good Christian friend should be someone you can call on when you need help. Someone who's willing to make time for you, to sacrifice personal things to invest in your life. And if we're doing that for each other, it's beautiful. And Jesus' own example is so profound. He literally gave up his life for his friends. Such radical, incomparable love. Okay, so let's sum, sum this all up. And Kyla, if you could yeah, come and play, thank you. Jesus calls us to walk the narrow road with him. The road that leads to life. Don't walk with the wrong people and end up like that poor bird. <laughs> I mean, but that's what happens. This is what happens when you walk with the wrong people. So as you're walking, walk with the wise. Find a group of Christian friends you can do life with. Maybe that's a small group like that orange sheet in your bulletin and all those things that are happening. Connect with one of those groups. Find that group of people that, that are supportive for you, that love you unconditionally and challenge you graciously and sacrifice generously. We've got to have those people in our lives. 
And of course, if this is the kind of friend we need, this is also the kind of friend we need to be to others. So maybe you're, you're sitting here thinking, well, that's a nice message, but it doesn't really apply to me because I'm 78 years old and I've already got my friends and, you know, uh, you know, I'm not going out looking for new friends or anything like that. Yeah, but you can learn to be more like that kind of person to other people. Maybe there's younger brothers and sisters in Christ, new believers, younger people in this church that you could come around and support them and show them the kind of love and, and, and grace that they need in their lives and so on and so on and so on. How might I be a better friend to the people that God has put in my life and who could I come alongside and be that kind of friend for alright so here we are walking through life trying to stay on, on the path that leads to life trying to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus trying to walk the good road and not be tempted and distracted by these other paths that lead to sin and destruction so let's listen let's heed the wisdom of the book of Proverbs and let's walk wisely together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we, uh, we thank you so much for your word. It's such practical, logical wisdom that we need to hear, Lord, as we walk through life. And Lord, we recognize that we can't walk through life alone. There's a lot of temptations out there, a lot of distractions. So God, help us, Lord. We need your help. Put people in our lives who can walk with us. And help us to be those wise people who can walk with others. In Jesus' name, amen.